Today on Your Story with Melinda, I have a really inspiring guest with me, Caitlin Beatty, who is the editor-at-large with Christianity Today. She was the youngest and first woman ever managing editor for the magazine. She writes for the New York Times, the Washington Post, and what we talk about today is a woman's place in the world. What is the Christian vision for women working in the office, the home, and the world? It's good. It's convicting and it's challenging as we struggle to find out what is that place? Who should we model after in the Bible? And how do men and women work alongside to achieve the kingdom of God here on earth? Stay tuned. good to have you um, on the show today. Lots to talk about, so welcome. Thank you so much for having me. Okay, so I love this. You served as Christianity Today's youngest and first female managing editor. Hello, that's amazing. You've written for the New York Times, the Washington Post. Um, Wow. I, I, I just love connecting with women who are doing really great things and and writers. And so I want to talk about that in a little bit, uh, Caitlin. But I want to know, because um, we're going to talk about your book, A Woman's Place, as well. But were you always like this as a, as a young girl, <laughs> as a teenager with, with these kinds of aspirations and sort of that kind of thinking and, and thought life as you were growing up? Yeah, yeah. So I think um, it, when I was... Um, in youth group as a teenager, I had a youth pastor who was a young woman and that relationship, you know, that was a really positive experience because she was preaching in the church. She was part of the church's leadership team. She, she didn't seem to be held back as a young woman in a position of leadership. And she, Mm -hmm. she mentored me and really tried to hone my own leadership skill. So I, I didn't even realize until I got to Christianity today that being a woman and maybe especially a young woman would would be a challenge. Um, when I got on staff in 2007, I was one of two female editors on staff. Wow. Um, most of the other editors had been at the magazine for 10 or 20 years. And there weren't any older women on the editorial staff. And so I didn't have any models of what it would look like to be a leader in that context. Mm-hmm. Um, and really what it, what it came down to is surrounding myself with really with other women writers who we, we formed a basically a, a, a private Facebook group. Anybody can do this. Um, but basically an online support group. Um, all of us had at some point experienced you know, tensions or pushback around our leadership in right. the evangelical world. And so we really just formed this group to cheer each other on and encourage one another. And I think if you are a woman who is leading or influencing in an evangelical space, that that's a really important step to yeah, take. That's, that's actually um, amazing. That's actually a really good idea for anybody who's listening, right, that is struggling, you know, start a little group up like a support group (laughs) yeah you know yeah I think you know I think that we have both external barriers to leadership Mm -hmm. but also there's there can be internal 
messages that we absorb. You know, mm-hmm. am I really cut out for this? Is, am I not qualified for this? How do I make myself heard in meetings? And just surrounding yourself with people who can remind you of the truth and 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 remind you ultimately that you are in that position of leadership for a reason and a purpose. And, you know, God did not make a mistake when he made you a woman and he didn't make you make a mistake when he gave you gifts and talents to be used in an institution or a church or an organization. Amen. Or- you preach it. <laughs> <I> <laughs> you need to say that so, really loud for everybody to hear. Honestly, I um, think, you know, and, and as you said that, it's the same. When I was living in Asia, you know, especially in the Philippines and even Singapore, I mean, women were in leadership everywhere. You know, mm. they were preaching, they were teaching, they were our teachers, they were principals, they were presidents. And when I came to Canada in sort of the mid to late 80s with my family, it was shocking how within the church context of where we landed, there was no women in leadership. You know, there was, and and it shocked me, like they couldn't be on the board, they couldn't be pastors, they couldn't be elders. And as a young woman, I was like, that doesn't make sense, right? Like in one context, I, I saw this across the world, women being empowered and leading and churches supporting. And then in, you know, a flight over 24, 28 hours over by plane in another country, um, you couldn't do it because of your gender. It was yeah. really an interesting thing. I, mean, I think that was a bit of my own struggle as a young woman trying to find my place um, mm-hmm. within, you know, my church context. And, and, and Caitlin, to be honest, there are times where I'm like, I'm surprised I stayed. <laughs> I was surprised I stayed within it and um, didn't leave and, and say, hey, listen, you know, I feel more empowered and and given the tools of leadership outside of, you know, right. this evangelical church context more so inside. Right. But I have stayed. So um, and for you, too, I mean, you've you know, you are writing for The New York Times and The Washington Post. You you could um, have easily kind of like gone out there right and 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 written gotten more money like we said before and and done that what keeps you close you know you say that you're you you love this idea of the faith and culture um voice that you have in writing but but what still keeps you yeah yeah that's a great question um i think what ultimately keeps me connected to the evangelical world is the sense that that world won't change and grow without inside influence, you know, um, you know, if all, if all the women who have ever been hurt left, the, the evangelical world would take a major step back without women trying, trying to lead and influence in that world. And of course, if there's been abuse or gross neglect, like I don't blame any woman for, for leaving the evangelical world. I mean, that that's not been my story, but I can't, I can't necessarily judge other, other people's decisions in that regard. But I do think that, you know, I, I say because I, I care a lot about the church and mm-hmm. I don't think the church will grow without, um, without learning to uh, incorporate many different perspectives, you know, not mm-hmm. just on gender, but when we talk about racial diversity, I mean, most of the evangelical organizations and churches in the United States are still majority white, but how much would we, how much would the church um, 
die if it doesn't learn to empower and incorporate uh, voices of color. So absolutely, yeah. it, so it's it's similar, I think, for for gender. I mean, if we really believe that male and female together bear the image of God, and yet our institutions and our churches only or primarily reflect one gender, then we're really missing out. Like mm-hmm. we're really missing out on God's design mm-hmm. for human flourishing. And so I, I, I mean, I, there have been days when I've definitely wanted to leave, <laughs> but I think at the end I do stay because I believe that the church is stronger when it makes space for more women and more leaders of color. Beautiful. I really love that. And you know, it's something, especially like I'm, two years into, you know, being a stepmom. And when I look at, you know, Sophie, who's 11, and Nathan, who's going to be turning 14, and we're talking and training and teaching them, I I can't even imagine teaching them because Sophie is a woman, she'll have less opportunity and rights than Nathan. And when Mm -hmm. we talk about this, you know, when you start talking about it out loud to them, and they ask me questions about, you know, you know, a woman's role and, and what Sophie can do and the potential she has. It, it, I can't believe that in some cases, you know, churches are still at that place of because of your woman, you can't. And so it's really, really pushed me and my husband, Chris, um, to really, you know, look for communities and people that, you know, agree on, you know, um, that we're better together, you know, men and women in gifting, serving in their gifting. Um, mm-hmm. So I could never deny Sophie that, you know, if she was like, well, I want to do this. And I said, well, sorry, hun, in this context, you can't because you're a woman. I mean, I, I, that's absurd. It, it right. would be, she would be like, what? Mm-hmm. <laughs> that makes mm-hmm. no sense. Um, well, and especially, especially when outside the church in the broader culture, yes. there is a movement to encourage girls and young women to be all that they can be, <laughs> you know, like, exactly. we, you know, the broader culture is, more than ready to encourage and empower young women to use their gifts however they want. And so it can be really disorienting when you come back inside the church and you hear in, you know, in so many ways, well, you, you're not cut out for that or you can't do that. Right. It's, it can be really jarring. Yes. So it makes sense then, Caitlin, that you wrote this book, A Woman's Place, A Christian Vision for Your Calling in the Office, the Home, and the World. Um, it makes sense because with all that you're saying, and and it's timely. It's needed. I think we need some brave voices to, to discuss this. Um, mm-hmm. So, why? I mean, clearly, you know, you've you you've you've said a few things already, but why write this book now, and mm-hmm. and why the need to do so? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I mean, so. So first of all, I, I recognize that, you know, I, I had spent so much of my time and energy and passion focused on my work at Christianity Today. And yet, when I stepped into the local church, I just realized that even professional work for anybody, men or women, was just wasn't being discussed, which is so odd, given that we spend so much of our waking hours during the week in, in a workplace, mm-hmm. right? It's such a big part of our lives. And yet, we're, if we're not talking about it, we can't understand what God thinks about it, what the Bible says about work, um, you know, and, and how we are to 
ultimately serve God in our workplaces. So I saw a gap there. And then I think especially for women, I've I interviewed over 100 women in the course of writing the book. And one theme that came up a lot was working women didn't feel supported or seen in the local church. Mm -hmm. I think a lot of Mm -hmm. um, women's programming, women's discipleship, focuses on either roles in the home or, or motherhood. And a lot of the women I was interviewing are mothers and are invested in the home, but they're also working either part-time or full-time outside the home. Mm-hmm. And they didn't feel like that was something that they could talk about, that there was a little bit of shame around them working outside the home. And so I wanted to help those women and and really create a conversation for the broader church to say that from a theological standpoint, our work is a gift. It is part of what it means to bear the image of God. Mm-hmm. It's part of what it means to serve him, to serve our neighbors, to contribute um, to human flourishing. And that we're, our work as women should not be shrouded in shame, but it should be seen as part of our participation um, in cultural renewal, renewal, in serving our neighbors, and that more and more women should hear that positive message yeah. from their Christian neighbors. Um, but Caitlin, why? That, but why the shame? Like, I want to get to that because I that yeah. I, mean, I don't think men go walking around in shame. <laughs> like, I don't think they go. Whoa, I'm feeling. Um, guilt and I'm burdened with shame for working my seven and a half to ten plus hours and then hanging out with the kids. You know what I mean? Like I've never heard a man ever say, wow, you know? (laughs) No, I mean, there's no like daddy wars. You know, like we hear Right. No daddy wars. This thing doesn't exist. Um, Yeah, isn't it funny to about men sitting around being like, I just, you know, I have these gifts, but I just feel so bad. Yeah, I don't know. Is, I don't yeah. want to leave the kids. Um, <laughs> yeah, I think some of it is the fact that, you know, many, many women do feel this primary responsibility to care for their children. And so the thought of leaving their children, you know, with, with a nanny, with an extended family member, with the father, there's, there's a sense of, is this okay? I'm, you know, women women have inherited the identity of being a primary caregiver, mm-hmm. and so if you're, um, you know, if you're breaking out of that a little bit, even if it's just ten or twenty hours a week, there's still this this question internally of is this is this okay? Right. But also, I mean, there there are certain Christian communities and certain biblical um, interpretations that would say that women shouldn't work outside the home. And I do a lot in my book to kind of break that down and show that, in fact, women have always worked. Women throughout history have always participated in the economic sphere, in the marketplace. Um, and so the idea that women shouldn't work outside the home is, is a relatively new um, biblical interpretation. So I, I try to do a lot of work in the book around that. Mm-hmm. But yeah, we, ha- we do have some theological traditions that would say that women shouldn't work outside the home. And so a lot of women that I, that I interviewed for the book and that I'm writing for are trying to make sense of that message, even while they're being given opportunities to, to work outside the home and finding a lot of goodness there. Mm -hmm. You know, there's, there's kind of a disconnect. Okay. I hear this is wrong, but in fact, 
I think that God is actually calling me to the workplace, to the marketplace. And so trying to disentangle those two messages and ultimately say that, um, yes, God does call women to the marketplace and our churches should be ready to to celebrate their work there. I, and I think that's key. I think that within your book, you know, you mentioned how Christians can support women, uh, working women, right? Because I think you're right. Like I, I never really growing up heard much about that kind of support, you know, um, it's sort of this was the mother's role. And then, you know, for us Gen Xers, we kind of, a lot of us right went right into the workplace and, and the workforce. And mm-hmm. we're still there. I mean, there are a few of my girlfriends who were full-time moms, but a, most of us were all in the workforce. You know, a lot of my friends are in media, you know, uh, production, marketing, all those kinds of things. And, and um, but that is a conversation that comes up about how do we balance this? How do we best support? Like, you know, we have talks about guilt, but then we also have talks about passion and gifting. And I think that's always that big question, Caitlin. Like, how do you merge the two and not feel guilty, but feel empowered because you really feel God has given you these gifts to serve, right? Yeah. And then people say, but then serving your family is number one because that's the gift of kids that you've been given. And then we say yes, and yet there's these other longings within us um, to serve in other ways, right? Yeah. Yeah, and I think I think the answer and kind of the, the sweet spot is going to look a little bit different for every woman and every family. You know, and I think that's really important to remember in this conversation is that there's no – there's no one pathway right. that's yeah. perfect for every family. There are different types of work. There are different types of children and different needs among children. Um, there's, you know, we have to remember that even the choice to exit the workforce for a significant amount of time is not a choice that a lot of people all over the world, including in the West, have, you know, a lot of women simply have to work to make ends meet and to provide for their children. Um, so I think where there is, you know, where there is no blueprint, we as Christians are called to extend grace to one another mm, and good. say, I know that you love your children and I know that you are doing the best that you can. And I am here to support you in your choices, mm. even if they look different from mine. That's good. And, yeah, we just have to get there. We can't let the the guilt and the insecurity and the quote unquote mommy wars dictate mm-hmm. how we uh, relate to one another in in the local church. Caitlin, your favorite model of a woman in leadership in the Bible <laughs> is there one so, or is there many? <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's funny, you know. For a long time, I had heard these stereotypes about the Proverbs 31 woman, <laughs> you know, yeah. like we have this image of her being this perfect domestic goddess. Yes. But, <laughs> but in fact, if you, if you go to the text in Proverbs and you read about what she's doing, she is so industrious. Yes. Very. She, she gets up in the morning <laughs> to, um, to do work. She's extending, she's buying, she's considering buying a field. She's, mm-hmm. Um, providing for poor people in her community. You know, so she's doing so much with her time. And I just really, I just really love that model that we have. And I mean, I, I love to be productive and, and I am very task oriented. And to see that 
that praised, you know, that is the reason that she is praised is that she um, is industrious and creative and she's providing for the needs of her family and her community. Mm -hmm. And I'd love to see more women who are doing just that in our time be praised in a similar way. You know, it's funny, Caitlin, I just had a conversation with my girlfriends where we were divided about the Proverbs 31 women. (laughs) Yeah, Because how I was brought up when you know, my Sunday school teacher would read that to me. I'm like, ugh, ah, that's not what I want to be because it was sort of framed in, you know, um, you would be like a stay-at-home mom and, you know, you know, caring for your husband and all that kind of thing, right? And yeah, then, yeah. and what you just said was actually a discussion I had with a girlfriend who said, but she sounds quite industrious. Like, she's up early, she's sort of committed, she's intentional about the work she does. So it was interesting that, you know, it's a conversation that's coming up, reframing what we thought the Proverbs 31 woman was, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. is to actually, when you actually read like what you're saying in the text, you're like, wait a second, she is really industrious. She mm-hmm. does kind of have that passion and, and sort of go-getting that, that I have, and I can connect with her and relate to her. Um, mm-hmm. And but I think that's in a lot of scriptures. <laughs> I think it's in a lot of scriptures where people have interpreted, or the person who taught you when you were young had their interpretation presented it to you that way, and that's how you thought it was. You know, right? Right. So right. That is good. I like that because because um, I thought you were going to say something like Deborah or <laughs> Esther. Yeah, they're great too. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, yeah. I just it. That's you're good. right though. We we have certain passages of scripture framed for us in a certain way Mm -hmm. and oftentimes it takes us going back to the text and seeing what's really there to discover um something new and something refreshing you know something that's encouraging and not offered as uh you have to be this one way you know yeah um in your book and i think this is really key you know you you sort of talk about how do we step into all that God has called us to do? Because obviously there within your book, there's going to be people that will disagree with you and agree with you on, on a woman's place, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, we know that. But I, I like how you've, you've sort of changed the conversation to, you know, step into all that God has called us to do, right? So it, it could be a stay-at-home mom. It could be in leadership, you know, working alongside men, you know, to do this work of you know, bringing the kingdom of God here on earth. I love that. You know, I think that when we ask that question, that's the right question mm-hmm. to be mm-hmm. asking, right? Not like, you know, you, you know, you, why are you not, you know, at home with your kids? And why are you, you know what I mean? Like, I think that's a good question. It's a big question, yeah. but, you know, how do you answer that? How do you take people that, I wouldn't say are unfamiliar, are fearful of this question or have been so locked into expectations of the church or family of roles, especially Mm -hmm. gender roles. And then how Mm -hmm. do you answer that question about stepping into all that God has called us to do? Mm. Yeah, I mean, I really try try to answer that question by taking people back to Genesis. I mean, when we, when we look at scripture and the first pages of scripture, we see that God himself is a worker, that God creates both male and female in his image, mm-hmm. and that the first humans, you know, Adam and Eve, are given this task of um, cultural creation and uh, and and uh, fostering culture and, and 
um, stewarding culture in a way that would lead to human flourishing. That's, mm. that's what the cultural mandate in Genesis 1 kind of suggests. And so that participation in cultural creation and renewal is going to look different for each person. There's no, you know, um, one job description for everybody. But I think helping women understand themselves to be made in the image of God, to be made in the image of a God who is a worker, and to Mm. see their work wherever it's happening. You know, there's lots of work that's done inside the home that we don't see or doesn't have a, you know, an official title. You may not be paid for it. But the work of um, caring for children, the work of managing a household, the work of extending hospitality to your neighbors, all of that is part of uh, cultural contribution as well. Mm-hmm. And so um, I, I've tried to talk about work in a way that transcends questions of, well, should your work happen inside the home or outside the home? There's there's good that occurs in both spheres. And I also want to encourage women who work outside the home to see their own work as good, because I think those are the women mm-hmm. who aren't as seen and affirmed in a lot of Christian cultures. And that's my own, the, my experience that I'm writing out of as well as being a woman who works outside the home. Right. So yeah. making space for both and also encouraging women who maybe haven't been encouraged along the way. Okay, and that's great. I mean, so timely and needed. And just finally, anything surprise you in the interviews with the 100 women? Anything surprise you while writing the book? Um, that mm. were like you were like, oh, I didn't know that, I didn't see that, or that's something that maybe in my second book or in my next writing <laughs> or essay I, I need to explore. Yeah. Yeah, that's a great question. I Well, maybe I shouldn't have been surprised by this, but I, I found that regardless of the choices that women were making regarding parenting and, and work outside the home, there was always some level of guilt. So even women who are, you know, full-time inside the home raising their children, even they felt guilt for not being more invested in the workplace. Wow. <laughs> and, and, so, and then the women who were doing like a part-time thing, like they were, you know, focusing on their children, but maybe they were working part-time 10 or 20 hours outside the home every week they felt guilty, you know, they felt torn, Mm -hmm. women who were working full time. So just to recognize that, um, you know, we're all all kind of trying to figure out this work and family thing together, you know, and that we're all, I I think we're all really struggling with competing messages. Um, So, I mean, that's a sad surprise, but like, we're just recognizing that wow, there's a lot of guilt that goes around. And how can we alleviate each other's guilt? Mm -hmm. How can we um, encourage and affirm one another? Also just recognizing that there are different seasons of life, you know, and that your your investment and your focus for a few years may change dramatically, you know, once those few years are up. Mm -hmm. Um, And seeing that there's freedom in that, that your focus and your work this day is not, it's not going to look 
exactly the same in five years and that there's opportunity in that there's um there's some relief in that you don't have to figure it out all out when you're 25 (laughs) I hope not (laughs) you know Caitlin I love this there's so many takeaways I got from you know what you're saying because I think as a woman and especially for me if I'm you know it's if it's a personal reflection um, you know, woman's place in the office and home in the world. I think the one thing you said earlier in the interview was you created like a support group. And mm. I have that with, you know, women every month. I have three groups of women for different things. One is a leadership one. Uh, one is a not-for-profit one. And then one is just um, just women who pray and we hang out and have fun. So I have like three different groups. But I'm telling you for the past, you know, from 12 years I've met with one group to two years I've met with another group to, you know what I mean? Like that has helped me. And we can talk about things honestly, especially when we're in the public eye and pray and cry and scream and throw things. <laughs> but we have that support group. So when you made that Facebook group, I think that's really key, right? For for women to, to get a support group to help you. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Whether, you know, Absolutely. again, mom at home or, you know, CEO of a big company. I think yeah. that's really key. That w- That's a really good takeaway. And I think for our listeners and viewers, that's like one of the the best things that can happen. And in that, I think, um, you know, you also say that, you know, how can we support women in churches? I think, you know, for women and men, uh, we need to be more supportive for people that are working in the marketplace, you know, and and giving them that kind of support. I think that's really Absolutely. Good. I mean, even just having, you know, a Bible study or a sermon series or even having, I've seen pastors do this where they'll have a, a member, a congregate come up and share for five minutes about the work that they do. Oh, that's good. Yeah. You know, just mm-hmm. just recognizing, having church leaders recognize that most of their congregants or members are, are spending a lot of their time outside the church working and investing in the marketplace mm-hmm. in some capacity and, and recognizing that not as a a threat, you know, to the church, but it's a it's good that God's people are commissioned out in the world. Yes. Yes. Um, serving serving their families, serving their neighbors, contributing to culture. All of this is good and is part of the work of God's people. Absolutely. We should be everywhere. I love that. So we've got um, you know, support. We've got churches support. I love what you said. I love, you know, maybe for some people they need to revisit the Proverbs 31 women. And looking at it through the eyes of the industrious woman and mm-hmm. looking through scripture of models of, of key women, I think that's great. And then I think fourth takeaway, what I learned from you is, you know, we need to be in this all together, you know, men and women together and, and not comparing and not in shame or guilt, but what has God called for you to do? You know, mm-hmm. like, like, because I think for women, we compare a lot, right? It's like, well, she's doing this and I'm just, I'm just doing this, right? Mm-hmm. Or right. she, like, she's at home with the kids, but I'm feeling guilty because I've got to go out and work and, and pay for the kids. Or then you flip it. I'm just at home, but I'm not doing anything mm-hmm. powerful for, for God and making a difference in the world. You know, that, you know, that great, the great calling on your life. And so I think that's really good, Caitlin, to say, you know, this, you know, step into all that God has called you to do in this season now, right? Right, right, exactly. That's so good. Good four yeah. takeaways, Caitlin. Thank you. <laughs> I just learned a ton. Um, and, and I think everybody needs to get your book. I think churches, 
small groups, men and women need to get your book, A Woman's Place, A Christian Vision for Your Calling in the Office, The Home in the World. And I'm assuming you can get that on Amazon.com? Yes. Okay. And for more information about you, Caitlin Beatty, Com. And I read some of your essays really good. I wish we had more time because I was going to ask you all about some of the political stuff that's happening in the U.S., but we'll save that for yeah. another discussion. <laughs> yeah, for another time. For another yeah, time. But, Caitlin, thank you so much for your voice, um, for writing within faith and culture. I think we need more women's voices there. Thank you for having the courage to write this book um, mm. and provide a conversation because people might not all agree with you, but that's part of part of this right we're not going to but thank you for being a voice for women who are in this place so I so appreciate that yeah thanks so much for having me and yes even even the men listening to your to your podcast and your show the book does have pink text on the cover but I promise (laughs) it's not you won't be less of a man if you are seen reading it get it on nobody no one no one will have to see that it has a pink cover so yeah exactly <laughs> if you need to you can just put a newspaper over it or something yeah exactly yeah. no that's awesome thanks again caitlin really appreciate it and hopefully we will talk again soon and keep up the great work really great thanks for having me okay take care take care okay, bye bye Well, that's all the time we have this week, and hopefully you liked it. I know I'd hit that thumbs up button if I were you. You can also leave a rating on Apple Podcasts, and it helps the show reach way more people. You don't have to give the show five stars, but it's strongly encouraged. 